welcome to the preaching ministry of the Agape Baptist Church in George, South Africa. Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, Selah. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter, and he utters his voice. The earth melts away. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolation on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Let's pray together. Father, we're so thankful to be able to worship together with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And it's a great privilege to be able to read your word and pray together and to be able to hear the public proclamation of your word. Lord, we thank you for this means of grace that you've given us for our sanctification and also for our joy. Father, we praise you for we know that you're always with us and we know that you're working powerfully and miraculously to preserve and to defend your church, to defend us against the works of the devil, and against the gates of hell, and also even against the assaults of our own flesh and our sin. Lord, I pray that you would use this Psalm 46 to encourage us to place our hope in you rather than in our own strength, and also to rely and trust in your providential care, regardless of difficult circumstances. Lord Jesus, we love you. I pray that you would be here with us, and it's our great joy to worship you this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Martin Luther's famous hymn, A Mighty Fortress, was inspired by this Psalm 46 we just read. I'd like us to stand together and sing. Fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Our helper, he amidst the flood of mortal hills prevailing. For still Yeah. 
en gebed voor die Heere dan bid ons saam. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so on earth. Blessed be the Lord God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, for you has visited us with and brought us redemption. Your people are free. We praise and bow before you in humble adoration, worshiping you in spirit and truth. Into thy presence we come, not by the works we have done, but by thy grace alone. We confess our sins and wrongdoing. Ashamed and guilty we stand. But then we realize and are reminded by your word that declares that the blood of Jesus Christ our Savior cleanses us of all unrighteousness. And because of that we can with boldness draw near unto thy throne of grace. Dank die Vader, dat die baie wat in nood was, sy gebede gehoor en verhoor het, dat hulle wat gereis het, weer veilig thuis is. Dank die verkos en kleere, huis om in te woon. Dank die vir ons gesinne en een plek waar ons in liefde saam kan leef. Dank die vir Agapai, waar ons u kan dien en u aanbid. Ons kom ook met vrijmoedigheid in hierdie ochtend in bid vir persone wat in die komende week doktersafsprake het. Gee asjeblief dat die dokters wijsheid en met die rechte behandeling voor die dag sal kom. Ons bid vir gesinne en individue wat worstel met hulle ekonomische situaties waar daar miskien gebrek is aan kost dat jy sal voorsien Hulle wat werk soek, ach jyre, kan eerst een lief uitkomst gee, 
ons bid vir hulle wat geliefd is aan die dood afgestaan het, wat in hierdie week begrafenis hou, gee asjeblief vertroosting. We pray, our God, for our pastor Bryant and the leadership team of Agabay Baptist, would you, that you would be the leader of them and direct them in the right path. We pray that those who teach us from the word will be inspired by your Holy Spirit to bring the truth to us. And now we bring ourselves to you, stating our desire to hear your word and to do thy will. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's sing together of the power of God's word to change our hearts and minds. Please stand with me again. Holy words long preserved for our walk in this world. They resound with God's own heart. Oh, let the ancient words Words of life, words of hope, give us strength, help us go. In this world, wherever we roam, ancient words will guide us home. Ancient words ever true, changing me and changing you, we have come with hope. Now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Amen. Good morning. If you have your um, Bibles, keep them open there to um, Ephesians chapter 2. As we continue looking at uh, this passage in chapter 2 uh, from verse 11, where 
Paul has been writing about the unity that we have together in Christ Jesus. And as we come to our text this morning, verses 17 and 18, he will put the focus on our access to God that we have through Christ and um, in the Spirit of God. And so we want to we want to think about that this morning as we look at this text. Uh, verse 18, he talks about this access to God the Father. And the word that he uses there was used to speak of uh, access to uh, a king or some high official that had been granted. And it reminded me of the the story of Esther in the Old Testament. You remember how that um, she was used by God to save the Jewish nation at that time. And the law of the Medes and Persians uh, said that a, a king could not be approached without an invitation. And that's our word access there, this uh, access that was given to come before uh, the king. And if someone dared to come into the court without an invitation, he would be killed unless the king would hold out his scepter in acceptance of that person. And you remember in the in the account of Esther, how that she um, took that risk because it uh, meant making a petition for her people and uh, how the king had actually been uh, deceived by making a law that uh, would bring about the destruction of the Jewish people. And so God used that. But I want us to think about this, this word here, this idea of access to God. It's the word that Paul uses to describe the access that we as believers have unto God. Uh, verse 13 says, But now in Christ Jesus you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And so he's still he's coming back to this, this reality of what we have in Christ. And you remember on our Good Friday service, we... We talked about the reconciliation through the cross of Christ. Verse 14 says, For He Himself is our peace. And the only way to God is through faith in Jesus Christ and His finished work on the cross. Remember verse 16. You have your text there. It says, And might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And so Christ has removed the condemnation of the law by taking our sin upon Himself and dying in our place. He is our sacrificial substitute. So that now as believers in Christ, we have been made right with God. We have been reconciled unto Him. And so this morning we come to verse 17 and 18. And there He says, And he came and preached peace to us who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Well, if we had been hiking up a mountain 
we've now come to the pinnacle of that mountain. Verse 17 and 18, where he says that we now have access to God the Father. And that's our, our thought this morning that we want to focus on, access to God. What a great privilege that is for us as believers to have access to the Father. I think we're often guilty of taking that for granted. What a, what a great privilege it is. How often have we come to God in prayer without giving any thought to how it's possible that we could pray to God or have any hope that God would hear us. And then many people make the assumption that they have access to God, but in reality they do not. Uh, they come to God on their own terms, according to their own ideas about God and what, what He has said. They assume that all that matters is that if they are sincere or if they say certain words or do certain things, then God will accept that. He's okay with that. Paul, in this context, reminds us again of the requirements to have access to God. And so first of all, we see that access to God is through peace with God. There is no, there is no access to God without peace with God. And so there we begin this morning, verse 17. And it really is a continuation of what he said in verse 14, that Christ is our peace. And in verse 16, that we are reconciled to God through the death of Christ. And here he says that this comes to us through the preaching of peace in verse 17. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. Well, if you remember, if you were with us at the, earlier in this uh, series, the, the people that were far off is a reference to the Gentiles and those that are near to the Jewish people at that time. But what does he mean when he says that he, Christ, preached peace? Well, we know in, in Christ coming to earth, he preached and taught in many ways in his earthly ministry. So that is uh, possibly what he's referring to here. The other possibility is that he's thinking primarily in terms of Christ preaching through the apostles and the church as he pronounced this um, peace, this message of peace. And, and really the second view is to be preferred. It could be a combination of both, but um, there's a couple of reasons why uh, the, the second option is better or the focus. And that is that although Jesus came and uh, his preaching and teaching was uh, in sometimes general in the sense of a, a salvation for the whole world. Um, in John 10, he, he spoke prophetically about other sheep that were not of this fold. But his ministry was primarily to the Jewish people. His preaching, his teaching was to the Jews. Uh, another reason is that this word, here translated preached 
means to proclaim good news. And so he's talking about the proclamation of the gospel of peace. It's not just peace in general that that's thought of here. It's the peace that comes through the sacrificial offering of Christ. And that only uh, took place, obviously, after his death. And so the teaching and preaching that Jesus did was in preparation for what, what he would do. And so that after he died, his preaching came through his believers, through the apostles and through the church. And it was not just the disciples, not just the twelve, but every uh, believer, all the redeemed. Uh, remember Paul's words in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 20. He says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So you see, though, there in those words that God the Lord Jesus Christ is still speaking. But He's speaking through us. He's used us as the mouthpiece to proclaim reconciliation. And He's making an appeal through us. And so I believe this is what he, Paul is thinking of here as he talks about the proclamation of peace to the Jews and the Gentiles. It is that proclamation that would come uh, through the teaching and preaching of the apostles and, the, and those that would come to faith. When we proclaim the good news of peace, we're not proclaiming our words, but the Word of God. And then the Spirit of God uses the Word of God to convict hearts, to draw men and women unto Himself, and so that we become the instruments of God to proclaim this good news of peace. Because that really is the, the great need of man, isn't it? To have peace with God. Those people don't realize it, but that is their greatest need. That they would have peace with God. Well, Paul most likely had Isaiah 57 in mind here as he talks about the far and the near and the peace of God. He, Isaiah 50, 57 verse 19 says, Peace, peace to the far and to the near, says the Lord, I will heal them. And he continues there in that passage, uh, the prophet does by saying, but the wicked are like the tossing sea, for it cannot be quiet. And its waters toss up mire and dirt. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. Isn't that a, a vivid description of the world, of the sea. Uh, wicked here that he refers to are the ungodly, are those without God. And they are like the, the restless sea. It's being, being pulled uh, and being driven. Think about the sea and the, the wind and the storms, how that impacts the, the water and the gravitational pull that's on the, the tides. It's always churning up the mire and the dirt. He says here, how well this describes the heart of man without a relationship with God, without the peace that comes from 
knowing God. The heart of man is troubled and restless. Just look at our, our circumstances all around us in the world. You know, there's, there's some unbelievers that are visibly wicked. They're always turning up the mire and the dirt and immoral living. It's easy to see. It's all around us. But then there's others that have a that seek to have a moral life. They're uh, they're they're trying to be good people. And on the outside, they may look just fine. But they're just as troubled on the inside. They're they're just hiding it. It's just not as overt as others. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. Every person needs the preaching of the gospel of peace. The near and the far, they all need the preaching of the gospel of peace just the same. You know, there's some that are, are far away in immorality like the, like the Gentiles were. And then there's those that are near in morality like the Jews. But they both need to be reconciled to God. Sometimes those who are near in morality and religious activity are even in greater danger. It may seem strange, but it's the reality because they often don't acknowledge that they have a need. They think by the fact that they are uh, religious, that they are members of a church or they were baptized or they're doing good things that uh, somehow God will accept that. They and many times pretend and even deceive themselves into thinking that they are accepted by God. But to have access to God, you must come by way of the cross of Jesus Christ. There at the cross, the sin is removed and the burden is removed and you can have peace with God. I'm reminded of John Bunyan's allegory of Pilgrim's progress and at one point in Christian's uh, journey in the way he sees these two fellows tumbling over the wall to get in the way to the Mount Zion and the celestial city and, and Christian confronts them about what they've done and uh, jumping over the wall like that and they hadn't come through the gate or by the way of the cross and so he he questions them about that, and they say, well, that's a, a long-standing custom. And these two fellows were formality and hypocrisy. And they say, well, that's, it's been done that way for many, many years. And certainly if there was something wrong with it, uh, then uh, it wouldn't have been done that way for so long. And they argue that what does it matter anyway which way you take to get into the way so long as you are in it? And they say, if you are in, you are in. Well, Christian says, I walk according to my master's rule, but you walk according to your own vain imaginations. And that indeed is where many people are at today in their way. The way that they think leads to God. They've They've entered into the way some other way than by the cross of Christ. But we as believers in Christ have confidence because of what Christ has done for us. We have access to God uh, through 
the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember Romans 5, verses 1 and 2, where Paul writes, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. That's the promise from God's Word for us that have come by way of the cross, by way of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and what He has accomplished for us. We have access by faith into this grace, this grace in which we can stand and we can rejoice in the sure uh, hope that we have in the Lord. John MacArthur writes that peace comes only when self dies. And the only place self truly dies is at the foot of Calvary. Well, have you come by way of the cross? Or did you like formality and hypocrisy just tumble over the wall at some point? Just been carrying on as if God is okay with that. We must come by the way of Christ to have peace with Him. Secondly, we have access to God in the Spirit, verse 18. Notice there he says, For through Him we both have access in one Spirit, to the Father. All three persons of the triunity of God are involved. We have access to God the Father through the sacrificial offering of Christ dying in our place, and His work is applied to us through the working of the Holy Spirit of God. <clears throat> Just as no one comes to God apart from Jesus Christ, no one comes to God apart from the access or has access to God apart from uh, the Holy Spirit. Let me uh, read for you Romans 8, verse 8 and 9. He says, those who are in the flesh, and he's using that phrase to refer to the fallen humanity and the sinful nature. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. And so apart from this working of the Spirit of God, no one has access to God. It doesn't matter how much you know or what you do or, or what you've uh, experienced. Apart from this working of the Spirit of God, there is no, no access to God. All three persons of the Trinity are active, actively involved in our salvation, and they continue to be involved in our walk with God. As believers, we've been given access to God in prayer. And we're invited to come boldly or with confidence because Christ has opened the way. He is, he is our great high priest. You know, we don't need uh, any earthly mediator or priest, so that we can approach God. What a blessing that we have, and that God has given to us this privilege of access unto Him. Not only do we have 
Christ is our high priest, but we have the Holy Spirit who dwells within us and who helps us in our weakness. In, in Romans 8, again, verse 15 and 16, he says, for, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And that is the, the confidence that we have, the assurance that we have in the Spirit of God is dwelling within us and He is with us to encourage us and to help us. And He comes uh, to draw us near to God in prayer. And so as we think about prayer, we again come through Jesus in the Spirit. First of all, Prayer is through Jesus Christ. And this is basic for us, isn't it? And yet, how many people think that they need some other mediator in order to approach Christ? Think of the, the Roman Catholic Church and their prayers to Mary or, or to some uh, so-called saint that's, uh, in, that's died. And the, the hope that um, they can help them somehow, and that they can mediate prayers to, to God. And, you know, the wearing of amulets and, and different kinds of uh, uh, good luck charms or protection from some saint. Uh, this is all a form of paganism. This is not, this is not Bible. The Lord Jesus Christ is our mediator. There is one God, and there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. You know, as we customarily pray at the end of our prayer and say, in Jesus' name, amen. And by doing that, we acknowledge that we have prayed through Christ and according to His will. It's, it's, not, a, it's not a magic charm or, or just words that, if we say in Jesus' name, then somehow God's required to, to answer our prayer or to give us what we want. It's also amazing that some pray in such a way that they don't even acknowledge Jesus Christ. Uh, you'll, you'll see them on TV or some interfaith prayer conference. and You'll have people praying to God without any acknowledgement of Jesus Christ. For them, they might as well be praying to a rock or some other idol because they have created for themselves a generic God, a God that fits their own ideas instead of the God of the Bible who's, who says, if you want to approach unto me, you must come through Jesus Christ. He is our sin bearer. Therefore, we can come through Him. Martin Lloyd-Jones says, Because of Jesus, God's throne of judgment becomes a throne of grace. And so we can come into this throne room in grace because of Jesus. But also, prayer is in the Spirit of God. 
the Holy Spirit of God is constantly working in our hearts to keep us in communion with God. He works through the word of God. He is convicting us of sin. He's leading us. He's admonishing us to follow the will of God. He, he encourages us. He comforts us in the way. And so praying in the spirit is my spirit in communion with God, which the Holy Spirit enables. And so he is active, active in our lives. We don't see him. We sense his presence, don't we? Uh, scripture says that he bears witness with our spirit. This communion requires that we submit our wills to his in obedience to the Lord. And it is a living and a vital relationship with God. Uh, praying in the spirit is not some mystical out of control experience where we uh, speak some gibberish that we don't even know what we said. In the early days of the establishment of the church and the revelation of God's word, he did give the ability to speak in other languages as he did on the, the day of Pentecost. But that was specifically given as a sign to unbelieving Jews. Praying in the spirit is not being out of control, but under the controlling influence of the Spirit of God. And, and that is in accordance with the Word of God. So the Spirit of God is constantly moving us to the Word of God and helping us to submit our, our thinking, our actions to the Word of God. That is, that is what Paul and other mean when they say praying in the Spirit. At the end of this letter, in chapter 6, you remember the passage there where he admonishes us to put on the whole armor of God and to stand firm in the provision of God. And at the end of that section, verse 18, he says, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. He'll continue on to request prayer for himself and for his uh, ability to preach and teach. And so we see this uh, admonition to pray at all times in the Spirit. And so our, our life is one that must be submitted to him. We, we constantly are to... Um, be on guard, to persevere, to allow the Spirit of God to keep us in communion with the Lord so that any moment throughout the day we can lift our voices to God and know that we have access to Him. We come through the Lord Jesus Christ in the Spirit. The Spirit enables us and guides us. We sing the hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, Tune My Heart to Sing Thy Grace. It's the Spirit of God that keeps our hearts in tune. He challenges us, convicts us, leads us, guides us, so that 
we are in communion with him. Well, in conclusion, the access to God is not just for a few believers. It's not just for some special few. It's not just for the pastors or church leaders, but for every believer. Every genuine believer as the Son of God and the Spirit of God and therefore can come with confidence to God the Father. He's given us a standing invitation. Come with confidence because of what he has done for us. The story is told of a king who's holding a, a special council with advisors and high ministers of state. And then suddenly there's a noise at the door and everyone turns to look and a little boy comes running into the room. And one of the king's advisors says to, to him, hold on there, lad, don't you know that you're disturbing the counsel of the king? And the boy, boy answered, he's your king, but he's my daddy. And ran into the open arms of his father. Because we have peace with God through Jesus Christ, we're able by the Spirit of God to come as a son into the throne room of God the Father. And because we are sons, he does not turn us away, but invites us to come with confidence, knowing that we have access to God the Father, and we come collectively together. It's not just one or two or a few here or there, but we all, as the body, can come unto him. Amen. Thank you, Father, for this great truth this morning. Thank you, Lord, that you have opened the way that we may know you, and that we may come into your presence. What, a, what an incredible privilege and blessing that is. Lord, help us to think about it. Help us to ponder it. We will not be able to fully comprehend it, but we pray, Lord, that we might be more aware of what you have done for us and for, for the great uh, invitation that's been granted to us that we can come and have access to you. We praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.